Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hebrews 10.38. It just seems to me, and the Holy Ghost, I believe, that we talk about faith this morning. Uh, you know, this we, we consider ourselves a, a faith church, a word church, and people sometimes have said, you know, over the years, you know, that's faith, it's all you talk about. Well, it's not all we talk about, but I'm telling you what, faith is the foundation and the basis for everything we do. Hebrews here in, in uh, chapter 10, verse 38, it says, now the just shall live by faith. You got any just people in here? You're going to have to live by your faith. The just shall live by faith. It also, you know, here in one, in one translation, it says the just shall live by his faith. The just have to live by his faith. If you go over to Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says without faith it's impossible to please God. Well, now that sounds a little, you know, like, well, okay, so he's, you know, you have to please God. Listen, the, why, the reason it pleases God for us to have faith and to live by faith is because that's where he lives. He lives in the faith realm. He operates in the faith realm. When we live by faith, we're living in the same place, the same arena he's living in. And so when we do that, then as we've heard this morning, we become better partners with him and what needs to be done. Not just in our lives, but, but in general, in the commission that we have as we live here, in the commission that he's given us as believers, when we're in the same arena that he's in, then our partnership is so much more effective. And yet, you know, we're going to pull this down into, into our own lives. And Romans 10, 17, go over there. Hallelujah. This morning I want to talk to you about, about faith in your life. Romans 10 and 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's only one way to get faith. Hearing. There are two ways to hear. Number one, you can hear in your own devotional time as you read the word and as you pray, as you meditate, spend time with God, faith comes. The second way you, you get faith is is hearing when you come to church. When you hear the word taught, when you hear the word preached. Those are the two ways that you hear the word and how faith then comes. You know, it's, it's faith comes by hearing. Faith operates or is activated when we speak or act on the word. And you know, you know Mark eleven twenty three. You can go over there. We probably will go to it before we're through here. But that's what we need to do. We, we, we believe it, and then we speak on it. When faith comes, then we release it by the way we act and the way we speak. Now, sometimes, and this is where we're going to spend our time today, we are too, act, too quick to act and to speak because faith isn't there yet. Romans 12.3, you're close by, just a page over, so go there. Romans 12.3. It says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. 
you know, there's, there's some, some uh, I don't know, discrepancies. Sometimes some translation says a measure of faith. Some says the measure of faith. But God has, let me say, you have a measure of faith that God has given you. When you were born again, because God is a creature of faith, he came into your heart. He came into your life. He made you a brand new creature, a brand new creation. Faith came with him. You have been dealt a measure of faith already. Now, faith is a substance. You find that in 11, Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is an actual commodity. And so the Bible talks about little faith, weak faith, dead faith, increasing faith, strong faith, and great faith. And so, you know, we need to figure out what it is we need to do to be able to operate in great faith. I don't want him to come to me and talk to me about my little faith, my weak faith, or my dead faith. I want God to be able to talk to me about increasing faith, strong faith, and great faith. But, you know, I have to know how to operate this thing. I need to know what to do to get to, get to that place where he can say, oh, oh, thou of great faith. And before you jump into a faith project, there's some things you need to consider. There's some things you need to do. You know, and of course, you know, I'm right now because I, we just moved into this new house, you know, building is on my mind. You know, I mean, we've been through this building project and, and I've learned a lot of things, never built a house before. And it's been very eye-opening, you know, very educational in a lot of ways. But I found out this real quick. We decided to build a house. Let's go get some lumber and get started. That is not how you do that. Mm-mm, no. Some people may do that, but that's going to, disaster's looming if you do that. And somebody's going to be in trouble with the county if you do that. But there are things that you do before you build the house, before you go out there and you do anything. There are some things you do first. You pick out a plan. You take that plan and you tweak it to get it just the way it's supposed to be. You know, you, you go get the financing for it. You get the plans drawn up. You get the plans submitted. Then you look over these plans and you decide, can I do this? Can I afford this? Am I building way too much? You know, we found out over the years that when it comes to building churches, I was reading just an article not too long ago from a guy who is an architect who specializes in church buildings, is that he, he, he says the main mistake that pastors have when they go into building a building project is they go to an architect who says, well, tell me what your needs and your wants are. And so they, you tell them what your, what your wants are. And, all that, and then they wind up with a building that costs way more than they can afford. So, you know, in the middle of all this building project of ours, we had to make sure we got determined what plans we wanted to use and how we wanted to change those plans and what we wanted to do with those plans and, and what it would cost to build this house. Okay, can we, can we, can we do this? Can we afford this? Can, would, how, how's this going to be on our budget? You know, that kind of thing. So, so it requires some things, you know, the old adage when it comes to carpentry is measure twice and cut once. Anybody ever made the mistake of doing that backwards? Oh, Lord, help me. Yes, yes, that has, but, but you, don't ha, you don't have to have a disaster. You measure twice, and sometimes you go back and measure the third time. I do, you know, uh, 
and before you cut something. Same thing like with a car. If you've got, if you've got a car and you run out of gas, whose fault is that? It's not the gas company's fault. It's not the car maker's fault. It's not the car's fault. It's your fault because you didn't pay attention to the gauge. Now, I remember one time years ago, my, my, both of my boys were very little. I think Pastor Greg was, he was just a baby. He may not even have been a year old. And we had a, a VW, a Beetle. You know, and honestly, I wouldn't mind having one again today because, I, you know, I, I really like that little car. But anyway, had this VW Beetle, and, and um, I forget why I, I had it by myself. I think Pastor was working nights or something, and my mom had kept the boys for some reason, and I had gone to get them, and we were back home. Now, I knew that the gas gauge wasn't working in that vehicle. Now, as I recall, since he's not here to tell me I'm wrong... I, as I recall, my husband told me there was enough gas to get me back home I've no, with no problem. Now, I lived on the north side of Jacksonville at the time, and my, my parents lived on the south side of Jacksonville. So I had gone to get the boys and was on my way home, and it's late and it's dark. If you know anything about Jacksonville and the, and the expressway systems there, it's not, it wasn't as crazy then as it is now, but it's still pretty crazy. In one of the worst sections of that expressway system, I suddenly run out of gas because somebody misjudged the gas tank. Like I said, he's not here to defend himself. I can't say for sure whether he told me, he told me that, that, was, that it was enough, but he didn't tell me to get any more either, so still his fault. <laughs> But it was nobody's fault by mine. I mean, knowing the thing didn't work, why did I go from one side of town to the other on an expressway where you can't get off and find a gas station in the section of town I was in that I didn't want to get off? Oh, no, that was not good. But God supernaturally provided, and, and somebody brought me gas, and, you know, we got my, my two, my, myself and my two little children home that night. But it, it reminds me, too, of, of just last, last Thanksgiving my, my, we'd gone to get my mom from Jacksonville and brought her over because don't like her driving that far anymore. And, and so I uh, had gone to get her, and, and, and um, I was going to take her home that, that evening. And, and Pastor said, oh, no, Steve and I, we'll, we'll take her. And I said, now, listen, there's, there's enough gas to get you to Jacksonville, I'm sure. You know, you look at that gas, there's more than enough. But be sure while you're in Jacksonville to, to fill this thing up. And so, you know. He went, took her home, and he came back, and everything's great. Everything's wonderful. The next morning, I get in the car to, to go get something. I don't know, some milk or something, because, you know, you got people in the house. Everybody's eating everything. you got to go get something else. So I get in the car, and, and had to, I got half a mile from my house when the car went, and I went, what? What? It's sitting dead on empty. I mean, you know, there is this, there's this thing on the dash that says you've got X amount of miles to go to empty. So I got on the phone. I said, dear, I'm down the street. I didn't even make it to 440. This is where we were living in the rental house. I said, I didn't even make it to 441. I'm sitting beside the road. And I hear him, uh-oh. I said, yeah, uh-oh. Get the gas can and come down here. You know what? It tells me you need to be sure for yourself where the gas gauge is. Though you think somebody else did it, it ain't going to work just because you think somebody else did it. You have to know for yourself and be sure that the gas is in the tank. 
just like it was faith. You're going to have to be sure gas is in your tank, in your faith tank. Don't depend on somebody else to fill it up for you. You must fill it up for yourself. And you must be aware of the fact that that is sitting on empty. I have made this statement so many times before, and, and you probably know this, this, this quote so well. When your outgo exceeds your input, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. You are constantly giving out. Faith is a commodity that is constantly being pulled out of you, which means you must constantly be putting it back into you. You cannot rely on just what you did yesterday for today's issues. Today's issues may be bigger than what you put in yesterday, especially after you used some of it up yesterday. And so, you know, here's some of the things that you need to do. Number one, number one, get the word in you on a regular, consistent basis. This is where you start. Before you believe God for anything, before you get into the middle of a faith project, get the word in you. And keep it in you. Now let's get more specific. Find the scripture that you can absolutely stand on and is quickened to your heart. There are hundreds of scriptures dealing with finances or healing or just about anything. But God will lead you to specific scripture that is just quickened to your heart, that this scripture right here is for me. This for this particular situation, for this particular moment, for this particular faith project, this is the scripture that I will stand on. When we were building our house, Pastor Nancy, you know, she she reminded me of Nehemiah. And there was a scripture that said, the people had a mind to work. She reminded me, and so I just came and I kind of modified that. These people have a mind to work on my house. Because everybody was saying, oh, it's hard to get people to come work. It's hard to get people, especially this time of year. We're going into the holidays, different things. You know, we had very little downtime during that project, extremely little. You know, and they overlapped so well because every day I would say, thank you, Lord. The people have a mind to work on my house, on my house. Listen. When God quickens something to your heart, that's your scripture for that project. That's your scripture. But you need to go into it with a specific scripture that is real to you. Very real to you. Uh, Number three, get the Holy Spirit's direction on how to approach the problem. You know, we, we come up to, to a project and we all, all of us have a tendency to go, okay, well, I can do this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No, get his direction on how to handle a problem, how to approach it, what to do, where, do, where, where am I going to apply my faith? You know, maybe you're looking for a job, a different job than you've got. Well, maybe he, maybe he tells you, just, just believe me for a better job. Sometimes we, want, we get into a place where we want to believe God for this job. What if God's got something better than that in mind for you? You need, you, need to have, you need to have some clarity in your heart about how you're supposed to approach this. So many times, you know, I've seen people uh, get to a place where, where they were believing God, but, but they had it so narrowed down that God couldn't work. Now, there's a time to get narrow. 
I mean, when we were in Oklahoma, you know, and, and I was, I was going to be the one being the breadwinner while we were in Bible school, and he wasn't. I had very specific things that I was asking for in a job because there was a reason why it needed to be that, that specific. I mean, I needed, I needed a, a, I wanted a job in a doctor's office, not in a hospital. I needed it to be, you know, just nine to five type hours in a doctor's office. I needed it to be near Rama because we were sharing a vehicle, and I needed to make pay X amount of dollars. Because we had left, he was, he was not working, I, we had left his job, you know, he was making good money, that was 1979, you know, $10, $11 an hour back in 1979 was good money. And, and so we knew what we needed to be able to live while we were there. It had to be that specific because of the circumstances. But there have been other times in my life, like, when, like with this house project, when we sold our house, we'd been believing, we were believing God for a, for a new house, you know, and I had it in my mind. I just kept saying, I don't want to build. I don't want to build. I don't want to build. Why don't you want to build? I said, well, number one, you know, you can, you can get more house for your money, you know, if you buy something that's already built, you know, and then it's going to take so long and all this kind of stuff. So, and, I, and, and my other thing was, I don't want to move twice. See, I don't want to move twice. It's tough. Moving's a tough job. I don't want to do it twice. As it turned out, we came this close to a couple of houses that we really weren't, it was, it was going to be a make-do. God's got better than a make-do for you in any situation. He's got much, much better. So we came this close, even signed, almost signed a contract on one. And then we just, no, no, that's not it. It's not it. So for two years, we lived in a rental house. But a year into that, you know, I finally said, hun, let's build. And he's going, Finally! <laughs> I just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. See, I wasn't ready to tackle that project. And God knew that. But all the time, I'm confessing that God's got a house for us. He's got it. Did I quit looking at houses that were already built? No. We kept looking. We, I mean, we kept looking. We kept looking until we made a final decision and, and put our name on the dotted line on the contract, you know, to, to actually build a house. That's when, you know, now, now my focus is on getting this house built. But see, God will, will take you in a direction and I am, man, I'm an Anderson through and through today. Okay, but here's the biggest one I want to talk to you about today is to know your measure of faith. Be honest with yourself. You know, you go back to Romans um, uh, 12.3, it talks about, well, I'm, you're right there still, and it says, it says um, to think soberly. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Think soberly. Don't try to outrun your faith. Your faith level is what it is, and you need to understand what it is. 1986, when I had a, had a, a, a big growth in my thyroid, pastor was going, we're just going to believe God because the word says you can speak to this mountain. It has to be real. We're going to believe God. This thing is gone. Hallelujah. And I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. And one day he comes home from the office and he says, Holy Ghost and I have been talking. And he said, you're not in faith for that thing to be gone. I went, nope, I'm not. Up until that point, I had not been willing to be honest with him because, number one, I didn't want to disappoint him. You be honest regardless of who you think it might disappoint. You're not going to disappoint God if you use what measure you have successfully. Don't let somebody else push you into, into believing for something that you can't believe for. 
And so when he came home that day, he said, well, here's what, here's what the Lord said. He said, to go ahead and have the surgery, and that in itself was going to be a major faith project because we didn't have the money for it. He said, go ahead and have the surgery. Everything will be fine. You'll live to, be a, to, be a, to a ripe old age. Coming true. A ripe old age. And so I went into that 100% yes. Nothing moved me off of that. Nothing, nothing d- discouraged me. Absolutely nothing got in my way. I believed God that I'm going to have this surgery. It's going to be successful. It's going to be, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be wonderful, you know, and God will take care of it. And he did. He met me where I was. And so you have to be sober and honest and say, this is what I can believe for. It's to your advantage to understand what you can believe for. Because if you, if you get out there beyond your measure of faith, you're going to say one of two things. You're going to either say, God failed me, or you're going to say, I'm such a miserable failure. And God doesn't want you to think or say either one of those things. He wants you to take the measure of faith that you're at, the level that you can believe him for. He wants you to take it and use it and be 100% successful in that and now take another step up. He doesn't want you to take five steps at a time. He wants you to take one step at a time. With every step you take that you have a success in, it will increase your faith, and the confidence you have in your ability to believe God and receive exactly what you were believing for. That's what it's all about. He's wanting you to build your confidence. You see a child learning to walk. They learn to to go over and to pull up on a chair, and then they learn to to walk down the, the row of chairs, and then they learn to go from one piece of furniture to another, and then they learn to just take one step with every successful step they take, they're building their confidence to be able to take two steps the next time and three steps until not long, they're running. It's like, oh my, here we go. Hallelujah. You know, it really bothers me when I hear people say, this stuff just doesn't work. It does. Yes, it does. Listen, if it didn't work, there's a reason it didn't work, and the reason does not lie with God. It lies with how something I did or did not do. And the beauty of that and the, and the nice thing about that, knowing that, is that I can do something to change that. It's not a put down. It shouldn't be discouraging. It's go, well, okay, I learned from that. Now let me go back and find out what it is I need to do and go back and redo it and be a success this time at it. Hallelujah. Um, I'm going to have to skip some some things here. It's vital that we learn to use our faith effectively in the small things so that we can handle the large things. And just because it's big doesn't mean you can't have it, but you'll need to build your faith some more before you get it. Maybe sometimes when you take our faith focus off of other things, there are some things that will come to us in life that we need to concentrate all of our faith on. And then there are times when, you know, maybe nothing significant isn't going on in our lives, and we can have our faith working in several areas. But don't wait till crisis and critical situations come up to decide to use your faith. Decide to use your faith every day. We thought, well, I don't really have anything. Find something to believe God for. Find something. 
Why? Because you need the faith exercise. You, you need it. You need to keep yourself built up, to keep yourself steady. The guy who goes to the weight room and he gets himself all built up and then it takes six months for him to come back in there, he can't go back in there and do what he used to do. He has to, he has to start at a different level and work his way back up. Listen, sometimes that's what we've done is that we've used our faith, we've used our faith, we've used our faith. Now that project is complete and we just kind of go, oh, I can take a break. No, don't ever say you can take a break from faith. Once that project's over, find another project. I, I would like to have this. Fine, believe God for it. Believe God for it. Ideally, we should be feeding on the word every day in every area, but you know, there are times where we're, he's going to direct us in a specific thing in advance of a situation he knows is coming up. See, you should be directed in your prayer time. You should be directed in your word time by the Spirit of God because he knows what's ahead. He knows what's down the line. He knows where you're going to need to concentrate your faith at a time that's coming up before too long. Faith isn't that. I told you before, faith is not a bottomless pit. It's got to be replenished. Um, you can share your faith with somebody else. Now, this applies mostly in, in, in a marriage situation. You know, it's, it's interesting. The prayer of agreement is most effective in a marriage. Why? Because the object of your faith is of equal importance to you. You can go and get somebody else to agree with you. Oh, oh, Sister Iris, would you come agree with me about this? And say, well, you know, that's good, and I trust the fact that she's going to be in agreement with me, but it's not nearly as important to her as it is to me. So I, I really ideally want to get somebody in agreement with me who feels this is as important to them as it is to me, that it's as vital to them as it is to me, that it is as necessary to them as it is to me. And only then will that degree of agreement be what it ought to be. Hallelujah. Um, sometimes God will put something in your heart that's just not for now. It's not for now. And what he's doing, for, sometimes he won't, I mean, he may, he may not tell you about a situation that's going to come up, but then he may start talking to you about something that's down the road that he wants you to start believing for. Don't run out and do it right then. Know whether he's talking to you about whether this is for now or whether this is for later. And if it's for later, don't try to make it happen because you're not ready to make it happen. Your faith is not ready to take you to that place. Your faith is not going to produce what it should produce because you're not capable of it. Is that a put down? No, it's not a put down. It's just real. You know, I went to see somebody. Well, this is kind of back to where we were a minute ago about knowing your measure of faith and where you are. You know, it's, it's, it's hard when people turn in prayer requests and situations are dire. And I remember this, this gentleman that... Was um, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but that's been many years ago. And I went to see him in the hospital. He had a dire situation facing him. And, and so just kind of wanted to just kind of gauge where he was at. And, and he, I'm, be, I'm believing God for this thing to be totally well. And, da, 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 da. and I thought, and I, I said to him something about, can you believe God for that? I mean, do you want to take this in stages and steps that you get improvement here? You get, you know, and he was mad with me. 
I know how to believe God. I can believe God. I'm going, okay, great. He died, you know, sometime later from the very thing that he said he was believing God for. I really appreciate Brother Keith Moore's story that I've, I think I've told this before, maybe on a Wednesday night, where he went to see a man that they did not expect to live for more than just a few days, and he went to see him, and, and he wanted to pray with him, and, and they had a conversation, and Brother Keith said he was in quite a lot of pain, and the symptoms were really bad. And Brother Keith said to him after the conversation, he said, Brother, he said, why don't we do this? Why don't we believe that tomorrow you will be no worse than you are today? And he said, okay, I can, I, I can do that. See, he was finding out where his measure of faith was. Let's just believe that you are no worse tomorrow than you are today. And so after a couple of days of that, he came back and he said, now, brother, why don't we believe God that tomorrow you're a little better than you are today? And so he came back and it's working. He had been no worse, and now he's working on the getting a little better. And so they went through this, you know, for several days, back and forth. And he's, now he's believing God to be a little better every day. And as he, the man saw that his faith was answered every single day, it got no worse. Now it's getting better. It didn't have to be massively better. Just some improvement that he could tell was there. And then Brother, Brother Moore got busy with something, and it was, it was several days before he'd get back. And he came back, and the man had gone home. See, that's what that kind of understanding of where your faith will get you. It will give you such success and such confidence that you can move on to that next level until you finally have everything that you want. Everything that you want. Amen. Um, gracious, I am going to have to do this. Mm. Now, how do you know that your believing is in line with your measure of faith? Romans 15, 13 says this, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Are you at peace? Are you rejoicing? Do you go to bed at night resting in what, in what you're believing? Does, does it not wake you up in the middle of the night and the enemy pounding at you with, with oh, this is going to happen and this is going to happen? And you go, nah, it's not going to happen. Mm -mm. You know, just go back, to turn over and go back to sleep. You, do you, are you finding yourself stressed out that it's taking too long? You're not in peace. You're not in rest. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the whole thing? You're not in peace. You're not. Find out. You, you, are, you, you need to go back and you need to take a look. Am I operating in the measure of faith that I can get 100%? You need to find that out. Uh, Isaiah 55 verse 12 says, You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. You know, I've had times in life where, where the enemy or other people came at me with things that were discouraging to what we were believing for. And, and there are times when it affected me. And then there are times when I don't care what they say. It don't matter to me. I know, what I, I, know where, I know where my faith is. I know what I'm believing. And it doesn't matter who says what. I know what I've got. I know what belongs to me. I know what I have laid hold of. This is it. And so you can't let people you know, decide for you what is or is not what you should believe in for. Either too little or too much. Some people say, oh, you know, when, God's, when God is, is talking to you and you know you're there, some people will come, try to come at you and say, 
oh, you know, that, that, you know that's outweighed. That's too far out. That's too much to believe for. Well, God, if God's, God and you are in agreement on it, if your heart's there, then you go with it. Colossians 3.15, the Amplified says, And let the peace from Christ rule. Act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. You can have doubt in your head and faith in your heart. You know, they can be, doubt can be just circling around you constantly, around your head. You know, but your head is not your heart. You believe with your heart, not your head. This head thing, you know, operates out of natural circumstances and natural situations with natural thoughts, with the world's thoughts. But your heart is a whole different ball game, operating out of a supernatural spiritual realm where God exists, and that's what you go by. That's the umpire, the one who has the final say. Amen. Don't override your conscience ever. You get in the middle of something, and, and the in, that inward man says, ah, oh, you're out here. You're way too far. Immediately do something to change that. Immediately. When you know what to do, do it. Sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll take a big gulp at some things God says, and he'll say, you can do it. You can do it. See, sometimes God will recognize our measure of faith better than we can. Just because we haven't come up against a certain thing of this, of this size sometimes, we want to back off from it. Stop and see what God's got to say. Stop and see how it witnesses with your heart. And then go with that. Don't let go of something until you see it to completion. As many, as many things as we saw during, during a building project with our house, we saw it through to completion and are enjoying every minute of living in it. That's the way God wants you to be with every faith project. He wants you to see it through to completion and enjoy living in the fruit of it every single minute. Amen. Hallelujah. Um. Well, what can you believe for? When you go over to Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it says, it says, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be cast into the sea. And some people go, it's a mountain. Lord, it's a mountain. Well, you know what? The guy who's at one level of faith takes a shovel and starts moving the mountain. Another guy will come in with a bobcat, and he'll start moving dirt. That's another level of faith. Another guy comes in with a bulldozer and starts moving dirt. It's another level of faith. Decide whether you got bulldozer, bobcat, or shovel faith and start and get to work. Just get to work. Get to work. Don't just say, I can't, I don't have a bulldozer. You got a shovel, don't you? Use it. But when a bulldozer is at hand, don't just use the shovel. If you got more, use it. It's more available to you, use it. If you've built yourself up, use it. Hallelujah. Faith needs to be fed. It needs to be fed with the word. Faith needs to be exercised by speaking and acting. It's important for us to know our measure of faith and to be using the measure we have, knowing that by do so, doing so, we are steadily increasing in this life of faith. Because the just shall live by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Shortened version this morning. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of that this morning? It just seemed to me that there's some people with some faith projects, and you, and you need to determine where your measure of faith is. Do it, do it according to where you can believe God 100%. It is so much better for you to be able to find that place where you are so sure and you'll have everything that you say. And build the confidence it's because there's more. There's more. There's more for you. There's, there is no end to the limits of faith that can be used. Has anybody on this earth ever used faith to the maximum potential? Nobody but Jesus. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all moving together. You don't, be, you don't be put off by what anybody else does, the way they did it, what measure they used. You use your measure. You use your measure to the best of your ability. You do it the way God tells you to do it. And I'm telling you what, you'll see success, and you know, you'll be right up there with everybody else. Right up there. Everybody starts with the shovel, folks. Everybody. God doesn't want you to stay with shovel faith. He wants you to start there, but he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to just continually move, get bigger and bigger equipment to move that mountain every day, every day. With every, with every completed project, you just go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Now I'm ready for the next one. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.